it seems like everything we've been doing here at Longleaf Breeze these last few days has been about water. And knowing what we know about the condition water is going to be in in the future, that's probably not a bad thing. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, And welcome to our podcast of May 27, 2010. You're so right, Lee, that um, precious, precious water is the subject du jour around Longleaf Breeze. <laughs> and... The, the future of water, we could spend a whole podcast sometime talking about <clears throat> why wa water conservation is going to be important, why um, it's a resource that we'll be uh, cherishing even more on the planet as the years go by. But the here and now for us is that we're actually trying to get drip irrigation installed because of the fact that we've knocked ourselves out watering everything this year. Um, I look out at, at Veg Hill and the other plants, not just Veg Hill, my flower beds and <clears throat> blueberry bushes, the, the orchard trees, and uh, it seems like it's feast or famine when it comes to water. This year, you know, last year we had too much rain. This year, not enough. And so those plants are drying out. Some of the smaller plants are dying out on Veg Hill. Take so, a minute and talk about how you can tell when a plant is too dry. Well, uh, some of the trees and, and larger plants' leaves start turning yellow, falling off. That's a sure sign. Um, out on the Veg Hill, the vegetables, some of the little peas got to a certain height, and then they just shriveled up and died for lack of water. The tomatoes are not doing well. They need more water. They're, they're kind of tall and leggy, which, of course, for a seedling, when they, you first put them out, that's a sign they don't get enough light. But now the leaves are yellowed. They're just not developing nice, big, rich, green leaves the way they and should be. And you're confident that's because they're not getting enough water. Actually, no. Um, but all I know is that the tomatoes we planted last year, we had a lot of rain. And we, as if you recall, when we would go out of town or go back home because we weren't living here at the time, we let, set our um, sprinkler on a timer. Yeah. So those plants got, got water, water every other day, didn't they? Yes. And for 45 minutes, I think, at a time. So something No, like, an hour and a half. An hour and a half at a time. So, see, they got plenty of water. And apparently tomatoes, you know, they just would like a lot more water than they're getting now. Um, so I've tried to, in the past couple of days, I've gotten better about going out and watering every day or every other day. Um, some of the but other... One of the byproducts of this doing a quarter of an acre or a third of an acre at the way we are on Veg Hill is watering is a big job yeah it's now. kind of spread out and you know I wish now I hadn't made it so but <laughs> it's that way so we'll just have to just to get water to everything and the other problem of course is that um, you know you just can't with with that size is that we're trying to separate what uh, plants the the, the w different water needs I guess of plants because I, I think going back to last year some of the plants we had got overwatered right because we were watering everything the same way mm -hmm. so one reason I've tried to spread things out I guess the rationale for doing so is that when everything's on a drip line we can and more about that later I'm sure um, 
we can water them differentially depending on their needs. Exactly. And let's go ahead and begin talking about the project that's underway right now here at the farm. Um, as we told you last week, we rented a trencher over the weekend and um, spent a good bit of time, primarily uh, Saturday, but a little got started a little bit on Friday, and then most of the work happened on Saturday, trenched all of the ditches where pipe or wire is going to run for the various irrigation needs we have. It's not all drip. A lot of it is just installing faucets out in the orchards and up on the you know near the lodge site and we've got actually three faucets and one utility sink in the plan for Veg Hill. So it's a lot of faucets in addition to the drip irrigation. But um, back to the trenching. It was not cheap. We paid $186 to rent that trencher for one day. Now, our one day was a business day. We got it on Friday and gave it back to them on Sunday, so it was really two days' worth of use. And it was helpful to have that two days, because if you re remember, I spent a probably an hour, hour and a half on Friday afternoon just learning how to operate it. Yeah, that was very helpful. So that when we got started on Saturday, I pretty much knew where to go, or you know, I, I pretty much knew how to make the trencher do what it was supposed to do, and we just needed to figure out where to go and where to put the trenches. We opted that 186 is driven uh, in large part by the fact that we opted for the higher cost associated with a hydraulic trencher, and I want to talk a little bit about that. The both of these are walk in front of, they're not walk behind, but walk in front of trenchers. But there's one model that you can muscle around. It's self-propelled, but when you need to turn, you have to sort of push it with your, with your strength. What we got was a hydraulic, which steers on, you know, rotatable tires. And so when you want to turn left, you can just ease it to the left. You want to turn right, you just ease it to the right. And boy, did that make a difference made yeah. it real easy to negotiate all the little twists and turns we had planned. But of course, what we the byproduct of that is you're having to go backwards with it. A couple of, I, I spent a good bit of time Saturday in front of you. It's kind of hard to explain this, but we, I took, I know we have a picture that we have on the site. We have a picture of me operating it. Unfortunately, it's just the two of us, so we don't have anybody who can take a picture of right. you and me together. <laughs> but what I was having to do is stand facing you and seeing where you were going, and, you know, we would chart a straight line. Like, in fact, we planted flags a couple of places. Exactly. To say, this is the end point where you want to be with that trench, and that I would have to give you hand signals, come a little to your right, a little to your left, if you seem to be getting off course. And that made all the difference. If you look at the... <laughs> If you look at the trenches that I cut before you helped me that way, and then you look at the trenches I cut after you started helping me, there's no comparison. <laughs> you said some of them had a bit of a drunken sailor look to yes, them. Yes, <laughs> and I bet you agree with me. They did. Um, so this was very helpful to have a second person standing where you were uh, with the big picture. You were standing not at the bow of the ship, but at the stern of the ship, but able to see ahead and say, little to the right little to the left. Yes. And that made all the difference. Yeah. So uh, we have the trenches opened up now, and we are in the process of installing the PVC piping. Um, 
that turns out to be less about PVC and more about digging. Lots and lots of digging. <laughs> and the reason it's lots and lots of digging is because we're sinking these underground boxes wherever there's a faucet, wherever the, wherever a human needs to interface with the piping on a regular basis, we're putting an underground box in. And those boxes are decent size, as they need to be. Because you need to be able to open them up, put a hose down in there, screw it onto the faucet, and then do what you need to do. So um, we've spent a lot of time with shovel and spade mm-hmm. fork, just picking up dirt and putting it in one place and then picking up that dirt and putting it back in another place. And also some of the trenches caved in a little bit, so we had to True, so we're having to scoop dig. out some yeah. trenches a little bit. Uh, we had one brief shower after the trenches, but uh, by and large, God has been very cooperative with us. Mm-hmm. We have not had any torrential rain since we opened up the trenches, and that's good. If right. we had torrential rain, we'd be in trouble. Yeah, and I don't see any in, in the forecast for the immediate future. That's so. true. We have a forecast of very low probability of showers, which is welcome because we've got, uh, I'm guessing, another day or two, and we will be able to close those trenches in, which will be nice. Right. It's There's that all-important moment, that tender, delicate moment, You've gotten it all put together, and you think it's got good integrity and that nothing's going to leak, and you open up that valve and put the pressure to it, and you hope that there are no leaks. Um, We've experienced both the no leaks and the leaks. Right. So we know what it's like, and you sure want to be able to do the no leak version. Um, So that's what we will do. We will be working on getting, finishing up the pipe today and tomorrow, and uh, then make that all-important transition and put pressure to it and see um, what what comes. It's been pretty hot outside, so talk about water. It's easy to get dehydrated just while you're outside and doing what you're doing. We've really processed that, haven't we, as we've worked together. Um, another way in which water is awfully important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't realize it sometimes. That I mean, you know, you're, you've got your head down, as you put it, and it's... Um, it doesn't seem that unpleasant. There might even be a breeze. But you do need to keep your keep hydrated for your own sake. And you and I have different styles of doing that. I call you a sipper and I call me a guzzler. <laughs> you're you're inclined to drink a little bit all the time and I will take a break every now and then and go drink a quart at a time or something yeah, like you're that. You're right, I wouldn't enjoy that too much. <laughs> but it you know, either style is fine, uh, but I think you're right. It is awfully important to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about what we anticipate happening down the road in terms of the availability of water. Well, uh, you mean for our for our own needs or for the planet? For us as a culture, for us as a people. Well, we know that already there are water wars in but not just between the state of Alabama and Florida and Georgia, among those That's states true. for the where the water needs to go. Does it go to Lake Martin or does it go to Atlanta? Atlanta, yes. <laughs> uh, but we also have, you know, I, I heard a story not too long ago about uh, someone building, it was either New Mexico or Arizona, one of the states that really um, has very little rainfall, uh, where a developer wanted to put rainwater catchment systems all over a huge subdivision, and uh, the neighbors were fighting it because that was keeping the uh, rain from hitting the ground and becoming part of the groundwater. 
if you know everybody was it the neighbors i thought it was a utility might have been a utility okay but the point is someone who stood to benefit from yes <laughs> the saying, rain oh no that's my rainwater you're harvesting even yeah. though it may be falling on your property i've got the white the rights to collect that yeah. water yeah and boy does that give you a a wake-up call. It does. And and we do have plans for our own rainwater harvesting, but we're on a small scale here. We don't anticipate any problems with we that. We don't think anybody's <laughs> going to give us a problem with that. We have a 5,000-square-foot metal roof, and we are harvesting rainwater thanks to the help of our friend Dave Barry. And um, right now it just goes in a pipe down the hill, but our hope when we can afford it is to get a rainwater harvesting tank down right. there. Right, which hopefully won't be too long from now. And um, I wanted to finish with my little unsolicited career advice. If you're a young person looking for a, a good career, you just can't go wrong learning to be a water well digger these days. Um, we will, we will definitely see more demand for wells. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And who knows, maybe even rainwater catchment system installer. <laughs> True. <laughs> Could if be you another know career. how to make that work, the, it's all about getting good quality water off your roof, which means it's all about having a metal roof or some impervious substance rather than asphalt shingles. And it's all about keeping your uh, roof tree free of bur uh, trees because trees are a good place for birds to sit and shit. So, which you don't want in your drinking water. You don't water. want you in your drinking water. So, um, it's it's, but that's a lot. That has a lot to do with it, and we we think that um, we're in good shape there as soon as we get that tank in place. Yeah. Well, talk about what's been going on down at Veg Hill. Well, aside from watering, <laughs> um, we've been weeding. I've been pulling up a lot of weeds and ryegrass as well that we've talked about. Still hasn't died. Um, it is showing signs in some areas of of drying up but there's also a steady supply of it that's not drying up um, but we all we have weeds not just ryegrass but other just the kinds of weeds that were out in the woods last week to... I walked around that perimeter inside and outside and just cut back and I told you there were a couple of weeds that have already grown the full height of the deer fence. Which is seven feet. And above. Yeah, yeah. Since we put the deer fence in, in was that like we February finished it when we in finished? Or March? Early April. Early April, okay. Yeah. Since early April, we've had weeds that grew the height of the deer fence mm -hmm. and beyond. Yeah. And uh, yesterday, I went around the perimeter and pulled out from the inside of the deer fence yet more weeds and trying to pull them up for the roots by the roots because what I was doing going around the perimeter was um, planting sunflower seeds and some zinnias. There were some areas there that I don't want anything as tall as a sunflower plant, which can be seven feet tall, um, as tall as the fence. But there's some areas where it would directly shade a, a smaller, a fairly close by the fence, small um, crop. So I put shorter zinnias there. But if my plan comes to fruition, there will be the, the full perimeter of that deer fence will on the inside will have um, sunflowers and zinnias. Which will be fun. Yeah, we want to attract beneficial insects, and uh, so we hope that we'll have lots of um, attraction for them. And you will be planting some fresh flowers and, of course, lots of herbs on the rows themselves. I have done that already, yeah. yeah. 
but this is um, the perimeter itself. And we had some conversation about that this morning. Now that you've done that, it may cause us to rethink the length of these rows. You and I had, before yesterday, assumed those rows would be sort of end-to-end on Bed Hill with just enough room for a human being and a wheelbarrow. Mm -hmm. But now, if we're going to have sunflowers and zinnias growing on the border, we may need to shorten the rows so that there's still room for that uh, aisle at the north and south end of Veg Hill. Which, for the north end, has ramifications for the drip irrigation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We need to make some decisions about that. But anyway, um, it's been it's been nice to have all that uh, planted. I mean, I should have done it a lot earlier, but just so we can get something going. I also planted some cosmos out in the flower bed. Um, there's I should back up and say that I planted cosmos at one end of the flower bed last year, and darned if it didn't come back this yeah, year. And we, it's blooming. We've had a lot of annuals that have poof, morphed into perennials. Yes, it was wonderful. <laughs> and we we love those cosmos. They're beautiful, and they're yeah. tall. And they attract all kinds of yeah, butterflies bum- and we, bees. Look, we love to see the bumblebees on the cosmos. Yeah. It's a beautiful sight to see a big bumblebee sitting in a cosmos. And I also noticed uh, an additional advantage of those, which is where the cosmos plants are, they're, I guess it's because they're providing enough shade, or maybe they're choking them out. There aren't as many weeds in that part of the garden. So what I decided to do was get out there and plant some more cosmos at the other end, where, you know, where there aren't any cosmos now. Just make sure it all has that, so that that can. Because I did pull up an awful lot of weeds in the flower bed, in that end of the flower bed. So hopefully, by the end of the summer, I'll have cosmos all over that flower bed in and the back. And what we've remembered is those cosmos will go dormant in the hot, hot, dry summertime. But right. then they'll come back in the fall. Yeah. So it, it should be fun to see. Yeah. And as you were doing that, you were no doubt swatting and running from horse flies. Oh, it's awful. I'm sitting here scratching as we speak from all those <laughs> places I've been bitten. It's good that we are still able to laugh a little bit about the horse flies, but they are indeed um, a plague. It's, yes. We don't know why, but somehow the memo is out that Longleaf Breeze is a great place for a, ho- a horse fly to hang out. Or maybe it's a lousy place to hang out because there are so few mammals here other than us. Other than us, there are two. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, when some pe- somebody says a plague on your house and they're thinking a plague of locusts, I think if you really want to, to abuse the person, wish a plague of horse flies on them. And that's, that's what just we have. Awful. It's just been. Um, Awful. And chemicals don't do anything to horse flies, which is basically good news for us because we wouldn't be using chemicals anyway. And it makes for everyone else struggling for a non-chemical solution, which is what we would have wanted all along. And that non-chemical solution appears to be, uh, the best one, appears to be something called a Manitoba trap. Um, The commercial version of it is called a horse pal. And we have borrowed, bless her heart, our sister Linda Borden has loaned us her horse pal. And it seems to be working so far. Right. We're just, it's temporary. We're just going to, she wanted us to see uh, if it worked because she wasn't as sure as she, I guess, could have been about whether it was working for them. And so far it seems to be, we, of course, we will return it to her. And if we like the way it performs, We'll be getting our own horse, pal. Exactly. And so far, it seems to be working well. 
we can tell that there are lots of dead horseflies in the horse pal. What we cannot yet tell is that there are a lot fewer bugging us. Right, yeah. And the way it works, it just traps them. It attracts them into like a glass jar kind of thing, and then they die up in there. So um, it's if you want to know more about it, I guess we'll have a link. Yeah, I'll have something yeah. about the the Manitoba trap on the show notes page. Right. Well, and um, I guess next week we hope we will be able to tell you that the irrigation system is in and more or less finished. Yay, I hope so. <laughs> and then it'll be on to some more mundane chores like firewood. Yes. Let us not forget firewood. And, of course, more planting and harvesting. By the way, I cooked peas from the garden yesterday. They were great. So. And you've had some great... You know, we should talk next week about your first harvest. Yes. That would be fun to talk it's about. It's very small and slow in coming in, but there is food. So, <laughs> Okay, well, we've been, enjoyed being with you this week, and we look forward to being with you again next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.